0: Hello and welcome to Frameline. I'm Barbara Goslowski here with my favorite co host, Courtney Small. And this is a special summer edition of Frameline. We usually take a break, um, you know, have a vacation like everybody else. But we were so excited by, well, I was excited by at least one of these films that yes, I was I'm sorry. so excited by it. Um, and I was so excited, I just had to come back. Because I really, really, really wanted to talk about it, and of course, the only person to talk about it with is Courtney.
1: That's right. Who cares about the summer when there's movies?
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. In the in the summer, there's air conditioning when you go see the movies. That is true. So that's extra double bonus. And uh, well, yeah, so when the film is like super fantastic, well, that's that's just all the the best things. That's what do you need? What else do you need? I don't need to go on a trip. Just <laughs> go to the movies. Okay, so we're later in the show, we're going to talk about Three Identical Strangers. It's a documentary film, and uh, it's going to come out in Toronto on Friday. That's tomorrow. Uh, but first, we're going to talk about a film called Mary Shelley. It's a feature film, feature fiction film, directed by Haifa Al-Mansur, Mansour, is the director, you'll remember, of a film called Wadida, and... This is the film that stars Elle Fanning, Maisie Williams, uh, Belle Powley, Douglas Booth. Um, this is the film that tells the story of the making of Frankenstein or about the woman who made the film, uh, the the book Frankenstein. And basically, Mary Wollstonecraft, who be- later becomes Mary Wollstonecraft, Shelley, uh, is, you know, a young, educated woman, uh, very, very young. When we first meet her, she's 16. And she falls in love with a young poet named Percy Shelley. Uh, They're both very famous uh, in terms of the Victorian era and romantic, like capital R, romantic, um, literary, creative, like the arts in in that time. And, you know, it was romanticism. Um, So... So the film follows them in their relationship, but mostly it follows her, and uh, it leads to it. it eventually, it leads to the the story of how she sat and wrote Frankenstein at the age of eighteen. So uh, you know, it's it's quite a quite a story. Now, uh, I'd like to start off the commentary here here by saying that. I really appreciate, and I especially love the Romantic era and the Victorian era. Mm -hmm. Um, I really love some of the art, and you know, it's it's quite astonishing, and especially since you know there aren't a lot of women in that time period who made art. So Mary Shelley's achievement, as great as it is, is also extra great for me because she was one of the few women that were working, and and she was so successful in making this, in writing this novel. I'm very disappointed in the film, especially from the director of Wadida, al Mansour. Um, I expected a lot more from her, especially, you know, I've seen other films. And I thought of Turner, and I know, you know, the film Turner, same era, same kind of, you know, artistic era, romanticism. Uh, and Mike Lee, they're, stylistically Mike Lee and Haifa Al-Mansur are not quite the same, but her tendency towards neorealism in Wadida, you know, sort of led to this expectation that this there would be something meaty in this. There would be something Mm -hmm. that teased out the era a bit more, that she would use the era. Like, Turner is so successful because Mike Lee put it in, put the character in the context of the Victorian era, but also in the context of romanticism. Um, and celebrated all that is great about romanticism through this character and really shed a, a spotlight and shed a light on how he was so successful mm-hmm. and what was so f- fantastically great about him. And the same, I think Mary Shelley deserves the same, and I see that mostly it's really, it's a small-r romantic
1: Um yeah.
0: Story. It's it's a love affair and it's a, a deeply um, passionate, painful love story um, that has its highs and lows, like all love stories. But is kind of uh, tired for me. It's very hackneyed.
1: Yeah, it's you're actually in the the majority because a, a lot of film critics um, despise this film. Yeah,
0: despise is a good word. I, I was I, really angry.
1: I didn't despise it. I. I liked it more the first time I saw it. When I first saw it at TIFF, I enjoyed it a little more. Watching it again, I see a lot of the flaws. Um, I still don't mind the film, but I guess at the end of the day, with both viewings, it's not a film that you really want to go to bat for. You know, it's yeah. kind of it, it, it. It's I thought it was fine for what it does, but the problem with it is that she plays it too safe. It's um, I felt like this film was very much her showing that. She can make a film that will appeal to mainstream audiences, but she doesn't always do it in a way that's exciting. Like exactly, for me, yeah. the most interesting parts of this film, um, outside of Elf Fanning's performance, which I think is, is solid, uh, happens pretty much in the latter half. Like when she's starting to have, uh, when Mary Shelley's is having problems in, with her relationship with Percy, and they go to Lord Byron's, um, I guess, home retreat what have you (laughs) castle castle and she's really kind of confronting a lot of the stuff that's going on and the film touches on um her interest in galvanism and like it felt like that at that point okay it's it's finally going to ramp up to something but you're almost towards the end of the film and then when they actually do touch about talk about her writing frankenstein that feels so rushed and it like does. this and the sexism right. that she encounters, it, it, it really does feel so rush. Like, These are the meaty things that you could have really evolved. Like, we we get the, the gist that she was blinded by love and made a lot of bad choices because of it. But I, I I do feel that if if the film had taken some more chances, it would probably have been better received.
0: Absolutely. And I think that's even a tired stereotype play, you know creating a character that made bad choices because she was in love. Well, he was in love in Percy. Percy Shelley was in love
1: to an extent. I think he, I think he was in love with himself more than, than anything because he's very much when he meets her and, you know, has the big romantic, we're meant to be together. He was already married with a child and then he was a pig. And then as, (laughs) and then during their marriage, early on you get the sense that his eyes will be roaming and, and at one point when I think just either before they have the child or thing, like you, it's clearly implied that he and her stepsister have a, have a moment. Mm -hmm. Um, One evening when the stepsister had a a bad nightmare and he offers to help put her back to bed, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Um, (laughs) And you also see that, one of his old friends that comes to visit, like he, he just seems to be part of this vicious cycle of men. And I I would say that pretty much all the men are terrible, except for um, the doctor, the one who wrote um, vampire uh, vampire. And he, you know, he's the, I guess the most honest one in terms of he sees what's going on, but he's actually a genuinely good guy that gets railroaded in this, vicious world of if you're not like us yeah. you get chewed up and yeah I, I appreciate um, the performance at least for Lord Byron because he at least plays with a bit of gusto um, really kind of dives into that character but he's still a despicable character mm-hmm. in the grand scheme of things so all the men are despicable and yes that's supposed to motivate her to write this um, tale of betrayal and you know the evils of within man but I guess the build-up, because the film plays it so safe, it yeah. just kind of is like, oh, all right, she's writing the book. Whereas I felt like, oh, it needs extra, yes, extra oomph. But I mean, again, I didn't hate it, but it's not one that I would probably revisit for a third time. <laughs> well,
0: I, I really, I was really, really angry with it. <laughs> I just felt like it, it really, it had, there were so many things that. It, Call it playing safe. I call it making bad choices Mm -hmm. or maybe not having the power as a as a director to the power over casting the power. She did co-write it with someone. And that person has a more mainstream kind of background writing uh, as a writer. Uh, Right now, she's involved in a project um, based on the life of Helen Reddy called I Am Woman. Um, there's another one called Living with Miss G, which is based on the friendship between Ava Gardner and her African maiden companion. Um just like if you read about all of these these projects, um, it she sounds like like she's she's the one that maybe pushed it into more of a the standard love story.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh
0: and maybe she's the one to blame for for creating these situations even creating these characters you know i yes you know when you were describing the men I, I realized after listening to your description that they were some of them were real real stereotypes yep and that and the casting of lord byron really bothered me i no no offense to the actor it's just somehow he was placed in this caricature role and you think about it and you think wait a minute lord byron the writer of such great literary pieces, he's he maybe he was a pig. I don't know.
1: Yeah, but he, but I mean, it, I think that that's why I like that casting and I liked his performances <laughs> because you, we go in with certain expectations about Lord Byron based off the work, right? Mm-hmm. And and as we're finding in, in this modern day and age, we can't judge. Um, people based on their work, like sometimes no, their right. work is not the individuals that they are in in real life
0: right and I you know what I have to confess that I don't really know the story of Percy Shelley and Mary Shelley, mm-hmm. and that maybe it did play out like a standard love affair, but you know somebody uh, a critic in variety proclaimed this to be you know a, a very strong feminist statement, and it's like no. She has her moments where she's like a strong willed individual, but those are not carried through. Like, those, the promise of those behaviors, of those moments, are not carried through in the story. And then once she gets into the relationship, she collapses into a, you know, a helpless, hapless victim of love.
1: Yeah, I think if anything, it's her finding her voice, but. In finding her voice, she makes the same pitfalls that her mother makes because her, if I remember correctly, her mother leaves or leaves a family when she's young, too, because she's pursuing a man that she fell for, who I guess we get the impression it turned out to be a bad relationship. Mm-hmm. And she she goes through the exact same pitfalls before finding her voice. And but and again, it kind of hits the same notes over and over. And then yeah. when she does find her voice. It's like, oh, this. Is all right, we're gonna finally get some. I know, but the, we don't get to enjoy it. The film ends. It. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's we, much, oh, okay. The film
0: doesn't celebrate it. We don't get to enjoy this moment. We don't get to have that that great feminist revelation, that great celebration of someone who. Okay, fine. This is the way they're going to depict all her pitfalls that she has to go through, and then she does she does this incredible thing that any individual can do, which is stand up. And fight back against the darkness, you know that this film is painting around her. She fights back. She stands up. She finds her voice. And then what? It, oh, yeah, you're right. It's over. Ah, mm-hmm. oh, <laughs> Mary Shelley. It frustrated the hell out of me. <laughs> but Courtney liked it enough to see it twice. Again, so. I,
1: I, I, I didn't have the same uh, ritual towards it. I. I didn't mind it, it's, maybe, but it, maybe again, maybe you are
0: not a big fan of romanticism. Which you know, there is so many art movements in the world.
1: It could be, and maybe it could just be that I am. I like the director's work so much the first time that I was willing to go. Okay, maybe this is a, a misstep. Um, I I liken it to the uh, forgetting her name. So, excuse me, but the director who made the film Mustang. Mm-hmm, yeah, um, Mustang. I got her name too. Wonderful, wonderful film. Her follow-up Kings, which I right. believe got released here and kind of went, but I saw it, uh, Tiff, horrible. Yeah. Horrible. This is not that. Like, I feel like she at least understood the material in, right. with this film, but it's just, again, played it very mainstream conventional, which for period pieces, we're at a point where mainstream, it's fine, but as I said, I probably won't think about this film no. For a while, and most people, when you're seeing a period piece nowadays, if it's very conventional as this, it's gonna kind of come and go.
0: Yeah, it's a great date, date film.
1: Yeah, it, I, I, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> it's just you know, the, I think when it comes, we're so inundated for years with with period storytelling that you you need to add a little, especially when you've got you know Frankenstein kind of looming and that kind of darkness, and when she was. The scene where she's seeing Galvanism happen on stage—I I know like, that was
0: exciting. I'm like, I okay, thought, okay we're, now we're yeah. Talking. You're going to
1: start diving into the darkness, but it never—it kind of puts the toe and goes, "Nope, nope, too cold." Which,
0: which, is again, it's it's a travesty to think that that it did not dive into the darkness because Romanticism—that's what it's all about—and that's what one one of the themes of her novel is that mm-hmm. there, you know—we we have good selves and we have bad selves, and we do good things and we do really bad things. <sighs> and that's romanticism. Yep. Oh, boy. <laughs> okay. Do you do you want to start us off on the high note, which is Three Identical Strangers?
1: Uh yes, Three Identical Strangers, uh, a documentary that we we both saw at um Hot Docs this year, but it is since it's opening up and any chance we get to rewatch this film, we completely jumped on and I, I absolutely love this film. It's about Uh, triplets who were separated at birth and I guess when they're about university age like 18 19 or so they um, discover each other and their separate families all bond but the question is what led them to be separated in the first place and what starts off as a very joyous fun documentary ends up being a has a lot of twist a lot of twist
0: yeah, uh, it's incredible. I love the way this this starts off and the way the whole story is told. It uh, it starts small. It starts with uh, one of the brothers recalling the what started off, what what began as the point that led him to find one of his brothers. And you, if you don't know the story, like I did the first time I watched it, I was like, oh, okay. And then you, it it takes on this kind of bizarre, right? Mm-hmm. Even just that tiny little story. Like he walks in to university and uh, he's never been there. It's his first year, but everybody knows him, which leads him to find, you know, his twin. And then the story of the third one. And this it's incredible in that, that sense. And it's, it's, it's really uh, very well done. The, um, Tim Wardell, the, the director, is very... Very nuanced with his story. T- and that that's the the beautiful thing about this film is not only the stranger than fiction details because think about it three strangers turn out to be triplets mm-hmm. right um so it's not just that but it's it's the nuance in the storytelling of slowly slowly that's his trick of slowly revealing and and that's a really great part of storytelling is is when you know how to tell a story and and he's very measured in the way he does it but he packs in so much so before you you know it these strangers have met, and then next thing you know they're they're sensations everybody they're in the paper they're on the talk shows and, and it's just you know it's resonating with all these things that where it's it's unbelievable it is stranger than fiction and then, uh, I guess, really, the only story point we can tell you after that is that, uh, as you're finding out these these details, and it just uh, um, starts opening up the f- the story and going deeper. But it, yeah, it sort of opens up and goes deeper at the same time, like the wire that I, I thought of the TV series because okay. the the further you get in, with different elements in this film, okay. The last thing I'm going to say, though, story-wise, is that. Uh, the, the last base big thing I'm, we're going to tell you is that it turns out they were all from, adopted from the same agency, one single agency, to three different families. Um, and so from that, it, it, it's basically solving the mystery of how that happened. Mm-hmm. To me, it's kind of like a detective story in the way that it delves deeper and deeper. And it reminded me of The Wire because the deeper it goes, there's a, d- a different level and in The Wire, right, you start off with the people right there on the ground, you know, the ones who are selling. Mm-hmm. And then it goes behind the scene, like behind them to the bigger power. And then eventually, you know, another season leads into um, the the whole police, the structure of the police. And then you get into the newspaper writers and then it gets, you know, until you get all the way into the the highest highest yeah. parts of the power, right? Well, okay, so this is this is a, a completely different way, but it basically every time something gets revealed, it starts leading you down a different path, which opens up another series of doors, which open up another series of doors and that that's really all we can say, but I, in that in doing that, I think it's brilliant.
1: Well, even how they they do that. Like this film has two what I call um I guess flashback moments or, or recap moments. That's probably a better word. So when something is revealed, the film then replays several key moments from of what you saw earlier. And you look at those moments in a different context. Yes, that reminds then, me of
0: a, the, the detective story, right? I mean, yeah. It's like, oh, this is revealed. And now let's go back and look over these details again.
1: And then right. as you go to the next level, the next reveal, they play back those same um, recaps that they did before, add a few new ones, but now you're looking at those original things in a completely different light. Yeah, you know. And normally, when films try and incorporate that recap style to, it doesn't always work. But here, it works perfectly. Like we've seen this film twice now, and I, I still, even though I know what happens, I still go, "Oh, I can't believe I it! <laughs> how could?" The, and then it's like, "Oh, wait, I saw this already." I, I, I know. Because you you get so caught up in it, and then you you start analyzing how. The like the the clips that they they choose, and then when you think back, like your jaw drops a second time, even yeah. though you already know what the the big mystery is, and it's yeah. it's just a really well done film. Yeah,
0: that strategy of re- repeating the details I, is is really incredibly well crafted. It, hmm. It's and it, you're right; it per- suits this so perfectly, and it almost starts to you, you start to wonder, like, how did they? Like, did did the director think of this first, or, or you know, did the material demand to be told this way? And it's almost like you can't you can't separate them. It's like a symbiotic relationship. It, it has to be told this way. Now, this is the only way we've had it told. But it's a credit to the director that like it's so so seamlessly connected.
1: Yeah, and it adds something to the the people that they talk to because obviously they talk to the brothers and. They're family members who are all gonna give a certain perspective and, and the the real heart of the film, even in some of the darker moments. But then they also talk to individuals that play key roles in this in the mystery, and there's times where those individuals seem downright gleeful to be part of this project. Like mm. th- there's a woman that they talk to where She starts off by showing you photos with her and the Obamas and all these influential people. And she's (laughs) like, oh, are we going to talk about the mystery now? And, you know, and then she's like, well, just so you know, I'm not, you know, I was there, but I don't want to be accused of being like, you know, they're they're proud to kind of flaunt the stuff that they did. But then no one wants to take accountability for their role in you know, this mystery and the ramifications of it?
0: You know, because of the of the nature of what happened, uh, separating children, separating strangers, their babies, babies have a certain connection. Everybody, family has a certain connection. Um, you know, uh, there's relatives that I've seen like maybe two or three times in my life, but I'm connected. I, I feel the connection in their presence. And I can't explain that. So just giving that as a small, tiny example of feeling connected to someone who has a genetic makeup similar to mine, can you imagine if there was another me or two more me's, mm-hmm. That what that must have felt like? And as more and more details find out about the story and about their separation, and then more of r- gets revealed about the consequences of their separation and, and facts that, you know, that are present because of their situation and the separation. The whole, obviously the whole nature versus nurture.
1: Yeah, which is a, a, a key um, it's a huge part debate. of the, the mystery. And it's it doesn't help solve the mystery, but it, it gives you plenty to to think about. It certainly
0: about. comes, you know, it certainly provides an argument for one of those.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It comes down on the side of one of those in a very fierce way. That does, you know, this is a, you know, if you don't think about that, that often about that, that whole debate, nature versus na- nurture, if you don't even think about it very often, like this, it, it, I think it's still, it will hit you because mm-hmm. it affects all of us. And that's probably why the story is so effective in the end as well. Be- beyond all these other things on top of that, we all have family connections. We all have someone that that we're connected to like we're not born in a vacuum
1: yeah it's it's interesting because to to bring a little real world um into this when I first saw the film I remember thinking a lot about residential schools and the impact of separation on in the legacy of those individuals and now watching this again with what's going on with the um the asylum seekers in the in the U.S. Oh yes, and the children again. It's it's you know history keeps repeating itself. Obviously, it's completely different in terms of what goes on in this film. But just that whole idea of what happens when individuals are separated from their family, their yeah. families at a young age, and, and yeah. the impact that happens. It's it's you know it, this film didn't intend to be very timely, but in some ways it it, it completely is, is.
0: absolutely mm-hmm. it absolutely is. And the other thing that's amazing beyond this film, so obviously we we both highly recommend Three Identical Strangers, and like I said, it's opening on Friday in Toronto and Vancouver, as far as I know, yes, and then the following week in Montreal and other cities throughout the summer. And so um, the other thing that seems to be amazing about the summer of 2018 is that documentaries are high up in the box office figures yeah. like they's the top films the documentaries are among the top films at the box office right now this one undoubtedly will be um won't you be my neighbor the film I still need to see that one but yeah for nothing yeah. but raves yeah about um mr rogers uh, mr rogers it is 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 a smash hit and there's there's a reason why it's very con- it's very timely as well in terms of how how we've changed as a society how the americans it's an american film and how the americans but how we've all changed like society has changed so much and how how groundbreaking he was and so there's a nostalgia for that but there's also the sort of implication and it it touches us that film like it touches us in ways that i think we've all forgotten about and i think that's that's something That makes it sort of universal and makes it... They're great stories, all of these. And And I think
1: that's what uh, a lot of people need in the summer. Like, you want entertainment and excitement, but I think the way how a lot of these summer movies are being positioned, it's a lot more of the same series and franchises that we've come to know and expect, whereas films like the Mr. Rogers documentary and Three Identical Strangers are offering something fresh and new and exciting, so...
0: It's yeah, it's different in a society that feels more and more disconnected. This mm-hmm. is offering connection so I wasn't expecting to to launch into this, <laughs> but it suddenly you know it suddenly felt real and and very necessary yeah. to talk about how real life has suddenly become like in the case of three identical strangers, real life has become stranger than fiction in a way that no one could have seen coming mm-hmm. um and then. You know, it real life has has suddenly become a way to connect and tell stories about ourselves. It's, you know, it's a nice, if this is an extension of the sharing society, of you know, sharing all your thoughts and feelings on social media, if this is an extension of that. This is a good extension of that. You know, sharing stories that are real.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mm-hmm. completely agree with that.
0: All right. Okay, on um, that very um, uh, philosophical note. Philosophical, yes. So that's it for Frameline for this week. And until we come back mm, mid to late August, and uh, when we do, we're going to tell you all about the Toronto International Film Festival and what's coming up. And, of course, we'll stick with it and tell you, you know, as it's happening, all the great things.
1: Yeah, but it's going to be exciting once the, the fall film festival season wraps up.
0: Yep. All right, so, okay, thanks for listening, everyone, and we'll catch you next time.